sex, drugs, and rock and roll. You're on the road with me, Chuck Kramer, Mr. California Wine. I'm over here in London selling California wine for the Tolado family across Europe. This podcast is about California, the Golden State, its aspirational lifestyle, and awesome wines. Each week, I interview a guest who is a key influencer in the field of alcohol, like this week's guest, the bass guitarist and founding member of a world-famous post-punk band who's launched his own spirit in the USA. Each week, we'll have some fun and ultimately improve your boozing. Wine and spirits go hand-in-hand with music, and California enjoys a colorful history in wine and music dating back to the 19th century. The history of California is as unique as it is diverse. Spanish settlers, led by Father Junepero Seda, and later the gold rush of the 1840s, left the state with an ethnically mixed population, which we still enjoy today. As a wine-producing juggernaut, California really came into its own as a big business in the 1880s, with the birth of the Transcontinental Railroad. The railroad shipping revolution paved the way to a prosperous time for California wine, allowing this new libation to be enjoyed across the USA. Prior to that, wine that was produced was drunk at home and in local saloons. Around the same time, the state's large Mexican population brought traditional folk guitar to California. You tune in, Vince Martinez? This folk guitar music was considered distinctively Californian, heavily influenced by the Spanish language. Fast forward, and some of the most celebrated Mexican-American singers are from California. Richie Valens, Los Lobos, and Carlos Santana. This On the Road episode is brought to you by TheBuyer.net, the voice of the premium on trade. California is legendary, dude. It's the fourth largest wine producing region in the world, and it's only a state. I find that incredible. And when it comes to music, California is just as mythical. The Beach Boys, The Eagles, The Doors, Van Halen, CCR, The Doobie Brothers, Grateful Dead, The Go-Go's, Guns N' Roses, Metallica, Red Hot Chili Peppers, who I saw at Perkins Palace in Pasadena as they were just starting out, Faith No More, and many, many more are all homegrown from the Golden State. What I find awesome is that these California bands that started out in the 70s and 80s are aging as gracefully as Chimney Rock and Rutherford Hill Napa Cabs. And on that musical note, my guest this week has been a friend since high school, has appeared on the cover of Rolling Stone magazine, is back on tour next year with Faith No More, and has launched his own handcrafted spirit in the USA. We are in for a wicked interview. So buckle up. Here we go on the road. This week's guest is an American musician, songwriter, and producer. He currently manages several bands under his Cool Arrow record label, is the founding member and bass guitarist of the post-punk alternative metal band Faith No More, who released their first album, We Care A Lot, in 1985. This dude has also recently launched his own spirit brand, Yebaga, which is a premium handcrafted plum-based Serbian rakia. You're on the road with Chuck Kramer, Mr. California Wine, and this week's guest is Bill Goode, Faith No More. 
Bill, thank you very much for being on the road with me this week. This is awesome. Totally. Good to see you, Chuck. You as well. Bill, I've done some research on Serbian rakia and where bourbon was the inspiration for cowboys, rakia is the inspiration for the many poets and drunkards who wander the Balkans. So what inspired you to produce your own brand, Yebiga, and what yep. does it mean in the local tongue? I would say that rakia, if you're in the Balkans, is kind of like, it's like duct tape, right? Like when a baby's born, you drink it. When your grandfather dies, you drink it. You get up in the morning, you drink it. It's just part of life and because people are, they have fruit, you know, and they make brandy with it. It's currency. When money's tight, you can sell your rakia. It's something I've been doing since like the 11th century, but I had no idea about it at all uh, until I started going on tour out in that region with Faith No More and kids were bringing it, you know, their, their family rakia, you know, to the shows. I didn't even, I'd never heard the name before. You know, some of these people, I mean, these families have been doing it for a couple hundred years where they've dialed in their fruit, you know, they've dialed in the process where this is an amazing drink and it's very characteristic. It's not like anything else and it's really good. And when I'd be home, I'd be like, where am I going to find this stuff, man? And I would look on like online and I would, you know, even places like that, that import stuff and you, you see the sleeve of it and you'll see some kind of rocky, but it's like industrial produced, kind of like cheaper tequila. Like if you ever tried to get tequila in Europe, you know what I mean, right? Yeah, it's exactly. Just, you yeah. only get the garbage, you know? Yeah, and, uh, it, was, it was the same. Yeah. Exactly. And, and I was like uh, hanging out with people in San Francisco who work at like Sierra Nevada and they work for like, you know, everything about tequila. And I sit and I drink with these guys and nobody knows what Rocky is. And I'm like, damn, man, you know, this is like nobody knows what it is, even guys who should know. And I just started doing some research and I went out to Serbia and there's something happening in that country right now where the country is kind of it's kind of like what happened with tequila in Mexico about 30, 40 years ago. The good stuff was made by families and stayed in the family and it never went for sale. And now they're kind of like discovering their, it's part of their heritage and they're, they're discovering their own thing. And I kind of got there at that time and hooked up with this family that uh, makes a handmade rakia like traditionally, but we can figure out a way where we can get it here and actually introduce it. Are they a boutique producer? Would you say? They are. Are they- yeah, they are boutique. You couldn't, for this quality, it kind of has to be, but they have an experience that goes back like four generations. So the sons of the father, the father is kind of, um, he's a patriarch of Rakia in, in Serbia. And the sons now are very smart. One of them has a PhD in fermentology. So they're starting to think of the bigger picture of like, this is this thing that we have and how can we translate it to the rest of the world? So there's this awareness now uh, that it could be bigger than just something you have in your house. I've been on the website. I love the packaging. I think you've got a tagline in there or something like good with smokes or something like that. Did go to the website. Yeah, I did. <laughs> Pairs I, well I, with cigarettes. Absolutely. Pairs well with cigarettes. That's fantastic. Yebiga, is it a slang term? What is it? What does it mean? Yebiga is, well, in Japanese, technically, uh, with the spelling, if you do Google search, it means happy day or I'm sorry, uh, which is how the TTB uh, saw it as well. Okay. But uh, <laughs> what it means, it's an expression that they use in the Balkans. It's like, fuck it. Like, okay. And fuck it in many different ways. In a, in a happy way, in a pissed off way, in a let it go kind of way. It's kind of like a life phrase. There's something about this drink that is really kind of like everybody drinks it there. Uh, and so it's kind of a popular, I wanted something that felt common to everybody that they had in common. You're bringing the Rocky, you're bringing the culture, you're bringing lifestyle to the United I States. I am. And, and the interesting thing is the people who are from that region who live in the States now, I'm the, I'm the new drug dealer. Because awesome. they, know, they know what it is. 
and they tasted they're like this is like home and i'm like that's right and half of the fun i'm getting from doing this is just getting these guys their freaking rakia because they appreciate it and it's it's really making you feel like i'm doing something like that i should be doing is there much competition for serbian rakia in the u.s I would say that there's traditional ethnic importers that will bring rakia that's like the more industrial I've said, uh, like I've said before. But um, I would say in, with the Anglo uh, Americans, non-Balkan people, they have no idea what it is. And so I'm starting from absolute zero, where there's this drink that 60 million people drink, but nobody knows, never heard of it before. So when when, when they first got here, when my rakia first got here, you know, I got a list, an Excel file, and it's like. Here's your venues. Go there and start selling it. And I got my backpack, put some of my bottles in, and went door to door to explain what Rakia is. It was interesting. It was interesting. A lot of people were scared of it because they're like, well, it, if I haven't heard of it, why the hell would I drink this? It's got to be horrible. <laughs> it's very well made. And, 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 and it surprised a lot of people. I think it's, it's actually blowing some people's minds. I got 15 accounts in a month in San Francisco, and they're, they're continuing to order it. So that says a lot. You're out there, you're supporting it, grassroots, selling it door to door, basically, right? But at the end of the day, the, 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 it had to drink, just like wine, beer, whatever. It has to taste good. The quality's got to back everything else up. It has to. It has to. And I mean, this is handmade, but it's like, you know, a really good, uh, a person who, who's, who knows about distillation, they're going to taste that this was done right. You know, it, it's, it's a real deal. A couple of years back, I was at your house with Emilio Rechidera. And you had a bunch of samples in the kitchen, right? And I think back then you were in the tri- in the trialing stage. Exactly. I, I got to tell you, I was floored. And I think I told you on the night, I was really surprised as to how good this stuff was. And it did remind me a little bit of tequila, good tequila, high quality tequila, because it's got flavor. Right. It's got the, the cactus characteristics to it. So... What, at the end, what did you go with? I mean, what kind of style of Rocky is there? Is it oaked? Is it unoaked? What product are you selling? It is. So these are, it's made from plums, this one. Uh, Rakia in general can be made from different fruits from the farm. But in Serbia, plum is kind of the, the, the quintessential Serbian thing because they have amazing plums and plum trees. We uh, got from our pl- uh, plums from the farm where the Rakia is made. Got the barrels, oak barrels, 18 months in an oak barrel that uh, came from the, the same farm, the same hill. So Serbian oak. That's just how they've made it. That's, you know, the people there, That's it's all local. It's those. That's the oak they had and those are the plums they had. And that's how they figured out how to make it work. Besides the plums and the oak and just the water from the mountain, that's all there is. Can this age? I mean, or do you have to kind of drink it once you buy it? How long will it last once you once you open it up? Is it cork? Is it screw cap? It's screw cap. Now we're turning over to cork uh, just because these um, handmade screw caps could be a little better. No, it stays as good. If you keep it out of the sun, it should stay good for a long, long time. Now, there are people in Serbia who will age this stuff up to 20 years, and it, it's pretty amazing stuff. Mine's 18 months, but if I was trying to start off a brand with an 18-year age, it would be gone and and that's the end of it. It would be really tough to, to, to make any sense. And I think this is something I want to try to have available when people want it. Where is it currently distributed? Where can you find it in the U.S.? And how much does it retail for? 
You can go to uh, our website, yebiga.com, and there's a map of the places that carry it. But we do get in California through Young's Market. Uh, we also have it in Chicago through Breakthrough. We're just in the ma- uh, to expanding through the country now with a couple other places like Texas, New York. One thing I can say is now is uh, with mail order, it's getting a lot better. So like the wine house in LA, you can order and you can have it shipped to probably about 25 states. Getting easier to get than it would have been about five, 10 years ago. You were talking earlier about being on the road as a musician. You're used to right. traveling a lot. Will you get on the road then to like these different states or counties to oh, help yeah. promote Absolutely. it? Absolutely. It's it's way easier than touring in a band. <laughs> I was in Chicago right when the, the, the shutdown hit. And it was really strange because everything was, people were talking about, you know, the virus. I heard it's getting worse. I got on the plane. There was nobody on the plane. And California locked down the next day. We didn't even see it coming. But I was in Chicago. We were out there and I met, I mean, it's great meeting guys that own bars who because this is kind of their interest and it's a great way to socialize with people spirits is like music uh it's it has a lot to do with the art that goes into it and people who appreciate it and people turning other people on to cool stuff so i'm i think it's a great world i'm happy to go out on the on the road and sell the stuff i enjoy it i like being on the road talking to people and just educating them and selling the product when you're talking to bartenders, can you serve it on the rocks? Can you mix it with other things? How do you drink? How do you drink a yebiga? This is kind of like a reposado tequila. So I personally, and how it's traditionally done, is neat at room or just slightly less than room temperature, and you sip it. You sip uh, it. But people could put an ice cube in there to soften it a little, even though it's not very hot to me. Cocktails you can do. It's funny because it's a very prominent, strong taste, but. With a mixer, it, that prominence tends to disappear very quickly. So I would say the ratios that you're used to making with cocktails, I would double the rakia that you would compare it to like a rum. Double the rakia. You know, I enjoy my tequila right. with a sure. beer. Maybe Absolutely a- great with taco. beer. What, and what about, what about food? You, can you pair it with, with food or a just lot. on its own? You can. That's the weirdest thing uh, about this drink is it works for everything. Like it works with a coffee in the morning. It works with salads. It works with fatty meats and cheeses for sure. But it has this long finish and this kind of cinnamon almost quality. So you could actually have it as a digestive uh, after dinner. Perfectly fine. It's like it's kind of the finalizer. It's not bittery, but it, but it has this kind of finish that this kind of satisfies you. How would you describe what, what are you getting out of this drink? What flavors, aromas? You do get the plum. I mean, you definitely get the plum and the the skin of the plum. But it's probably not a plum that you're not familiar with if you haven't been to the Balkans before because this Chachanska Rod, the plum, has a very distinct taste. But you do know it's a plum. It's just not the kind we're used to, uh, like the Stanley plums. What you also notice is I get a kind of a cinnamon piney thing and probably has to do with something with the mountain where we, we grow the plums is right higher than a lot of plum orchards and we're getting a lot of pine up there and you get some of the oils in the air that somehow make its way into the fruit feels very viscous and oily even though nothing's added uh so that's where the finish comes from and you mentioned boutique producer this is a family-owned company how long have they been producing rakia and i guess how did you get in how did you get in touch or how did you get involved with with this one family or producer a uh, good question. These guys actually have their own brand of super premium Rocky, and they've been doing this for several decades. But, you know, at, at, on a commercial available basis, it's a very small basis in Serbia. I went to Serbia and there are these guys that have this blog. It's only in Serbian now, but 
I would say if you have Google Translate, it's worth reading. These, it's called Rakia Uglavnum. These two teachers have started chronicling Rakia, homemade Rakias all over the country, uh, sampling it, tasting it, uh, judging it, giving criteria. And I hooked up with these guys. These guys are in, living encyclopedias. They're amazing. And they, they are changing the country. And through them, I did some tastings. And I found my way to the guys who are my producers. It's been amazing. I, I couldn't have done it without these guys. I recommend anybody to check it out if you're curious at all about Rakia. How long did you start this product process to where you said, okay, this is what I want to do to like, I've got the finished product? Oh, man, it's probably about three years now. It started off with like, I want to do this. Nobody knows what it is. I think I can do it. What do you think? And it was like, you should do it. I went to a friend of mine who works as a distributor at Young's Market, and I went to his house to have a beer and just say, come on, man, I'm a musician. I don't know anything about this business. So please convince me why I shouldn't do this. And he's like, you have to do it. I'm like, what? And he goes, you have to do it. I'll help you do it. And I'm like, I left his house like, oh shit, now I have to do it. And, and it's, it's cool. I mean, it's been very, very encouraging, but yeah, I had to learn about, you know, how the TTB works and about, you know, I have to get a license and my California license, my Illinois license. You got to think about warehousing. There's the whole thing about transportation. There's a lot to learn. It's, it's really, but it gets balanced out by the other side of there's this world to discover. So, you know, I went to a, a church group meeting of the Orthodox Church in San Francisco and now the, the priest there is my buddy. Okay. <laughs> he loves the Rocky and we hang out, you know? That's great. We listen to music together. We drink Rocky at 12 in the afternoon. And it's okay because I'm with a priest. Has your Yebbinger replaced the, the wine and the, the church service? For him, it has. I mean, uh, for me, uh, yeah. Though we drink wine too. That's fantastic. So what does this retail for in the U.S.? Around $38, Around- $38 for a liter. We're going to bring it down 750 milliliter because it just makes a little more practical sense and we can lower the price down a little bit with that too. It sounds like you're one, you're passionate about this and you're excited and you're really behind the product, which makes it a lot easier to sell. I mean, if anybody has any questions, write to me directly and, and you'll get an answer from me because I feel like I'm kind of like fighting the Rocky War, you know, myself and that's, I'm perfectly cool with that. That's awesome. What are your uh, plans for Rakia? You have plans for Rakia outside of the United States? Can you use this, we do. this producer? Uh, we do. And, and it's going to take a while because when you start thinking about California, that's a big state. You know, there's 120,000 Balkan people just in LA. So, you know, that's a lot of production. If I want to start thinking worldwide, you know, you're going to take a little boutique farm and you're going to have to crank out tens of thousands of liters of this stuff. And it's, it's just not something that's going to happen overnight. So, I think eventually there's a lot of room to grow all over the world, but it has to be done at the right time. And we don't want to get ahead of ourselves and we don't want to compromise the quality, keep the quality high. So we just have to be patient and it's just going to happen when it happens. But Europe, there's so many ex-Yugoslavian people in Germany alone, I think about four or 500,000, and they don't have access to good rakia. So interesting, you know, we have a lot to work for. In terms of production, you've got a boutique producer, you've got a product that's of really high quality. And then I guess if you exactly. want to go mass scale, then maybe you look at an entry level Yabagao. We are going to do that actually. Funny you mentioned that. So the uh, the Yabagao you had was aged in oak, 18 months, and it's a little color. In fact, I can show you. I got one right here. You can see the color in it. We're going to make a clear one, a stainless steel one. It's going to be a little more floral, a little less piney, but uh, very, very good and a great mixer. And it's going to be cheaper as well. But the best thing about it of all is we can make it now when we need it. So we're going to be able to make Yabiga more available. It won't be this classic, the classic Perva, but it's still going to be very, very good and still homemade. 
Well, yeah, since you don't have to age it, you can just it, bottle it as it, soon it as it's finished silver. fermentation. Yeah. It's like not the Reposado, it's the silver. Exactly. Exactly. Yep. Well, I look forward to trying that as well. Next year, Faith No More, your turn again. How many cities will you be hitting? And will Yebiga be the official uh, drink sponsor of this, this European tour? It will be the sponsor because it's going to be sponsoring my Yebiga habit. <laughs> so I'm going to be a sponsoring myself. Yeah, I haven't, that's one of the cool things about touring is I could turn people onto it. It's a mobile thing. I'm, I'm traveling. Weird thing about touring is we had the whole summer book. We were going to tour Australia and then Europe for about five weeks, then do the States for two months. It all, you know, got shut down. But everything has been postponed to exactly a year from now to the day. So we're going to be playing the same dates next year on the same day that we would have done this year. Okay. That's how it's working right now. I hope it all works out because I know that, uh, you know, musicians are dying right now. The touring industry is like going crazy right now. You know, you just got to hope for the vaccine, right? Yeah, exactly. You know, it'd be nice to see you guys turn around. You got two shows in London, right? Yes, exactly. Next year. Right now. And, you know, the the thing is, um, we'll see. I mean... There's some opening dates, you know, maybe add more stuff in the UK. We'll see. We're going to do a UK tour, though. That sounds exciting. So in terms of your bandmates, like Roddy and those guys, are they Yabaga fans? I think they are, but they don't drink as much as they used to. <laughs> we like, as a band, touring places like Serbia, places like Istanbul, where it's not on the, the typical circuit, where there's a little adventure, you know, associated. Those are our fun gigs. I think everybody's kind of, we all, I share the, their enthusiasm with why I'm doing this. That's great. They're supporting you. That's awesome. Oh, yeah. All, all good. Well, listen, Bill, before we go, I'd like to pull over for a few rapid fire questions. I call this the bin and Q&A. So give me the first thing that pops into your head. What is your go-to quaffing wine at home? Interesting. So <laughs> mine, believe it or not, is a Roterer champagne style, the regular brute, because it's great before dinner. It goes with meat, goes with fish, and I drink it all the time. My wife gets it by the six pack. <laughs> nice. It's a great sparkler. If you could raise a glass of your Yebiga with any musician or celebrity, living or dead, who would that be and why? Probably Anthony Bourdain would have been the guy because I think he would have appreciated where it came from and the significance of it and also had a palate where he would really just appreciate it for what it is. I think he would get the best parts of this drink. It's a shame he's not here. I would have loved to have turned him onto it, I would say. Yeah, you would have got some great feedback and I'm sure he would have loved it. He would have loved it. Absolutely. He would have dug going to that farm and hanging out there because it is a blast. And giving him something different and unique. Oh, yeah. Oh, totally. That's, that would be his thing. That's cool. Money, no object. What wine would you open with dinner tonight? And it must be from California. I will tell you because I just discovered it and I freaking love it. And I'm having it tonight with pleasure. And I can't imagine anything else. It's called, it's a Picayune is the, is the winery and from Calistoga. It's a rosé. It's amazing. Well, listen, Bill, it was great seeing you. And thank right, you very cool. much for being on the road with me this week. I had a great time. I'll see you at California either at the end of the year or in London when you're out here. Let me know when you're here. And also, thank you for letting me uh, have the opportunity to talk about this stuff because it's a blast. Well, I'm looking forward to trying it again, for sure. Dude, and number two. For sure. Thanks, Bill. Alrighty. All right, man. Take care. That was killer. I want to thank Bill Good for being on the road with me this week. If you haven't had the pleasure of tasting Rakia, visit yebaga.com and place an order. This is a seriously good handcrafted spirit that is awesome to enjoy on its own or with your coffee in the morning. In California, there are currently 21 shops and restaurants that list Yebaga, including the El Dorado in downtown LA and the Dogpatch Saloon in San Francisco. 
both very cool bars. To any loyal high school alum and teachers tuning in, give Yebaga a shot, literally, including you, Bernie Anchetta, John Clendenning, Brian Hoy, Dennis Kremen, Bill Thomason, and the doc, Antonio Murillo. In Illinois, there are several venues that carry this true Serbian rakia, including the Liquor Barn in Niles, a short 25-minute drive from downtown Chicago. So, Kevin Fall, Patrick Henderson, Michelle Pye Gardner, Anat Gottfried, and all Terlato employees, add Yebaga to your shopping list. Bill and Faith No More will be back in Europe next June and July, including a two-night gig at the O2 Academy Brixton on June 12th and 13th. I can't wait to see them back in concert. The wine of the week is the Federalist Bourbon Barrel Aged Red Blend. The Federalist is an American craft wine. Our winemaker, Brian Parker, ages this glorious red for six months in charred bourbon barrels, which gives this craft wine a slightly smoky vanilla and Coca-Cola finish. The Bourbon Barrel Aged Red is a blend of Merlot, Cabernet Sauvignon, and Carignan, and offers flavors of black cherry and spice. I can picture myself right now starting off later tonight with a shot of Bill's Yebaga, then polishing off a bottle of our Federalist Bourbon Barrel Aged Red with a juicy cheeseburger. I think I'm going to throw some bacon on there as well. This gorgeous red is distributed by Matthew Clark in the UK and can be enjoyed at the following hotels. The Red Bar and JW Marriott Steakhouse at the Grosvenor House Park Lane, Marriott Canary Wharf, Marriott County Hall, the Novotel Canary Wharf, and the Hilton Glasgow Grosvenor. This week's fun fact. LA has bragging rights to some of the coolest music venues in the world. Did you know that the Troubadour in West Hollywood has been around since 1957? World-renowned artists such as Bob Dylan, The Birds, and Neil Young made their debut on stage. Elton John played his first U.S. gig at the Troubadour, and so much more has taken place at this iconic club. Don Hanley and Glenn Frey met for the first time in the front bar in 1970, and went on to form the Eagles. The lyrics to the Eagles' Sad Cafe is about this very club. Janis Joplin, back in October 1970, partied all night at the Troubadour, and was found dead the next day at the Landmark Hotel. Hopefully for the owners, she wasn't running a tab that night. In 1982, Metallica played LA for the first time, and on September 3rd, 2015, Faith No More performed a surprise midnight show at the Troubadour of their new album, Soul Invictus. LA is such a cool city. Thank you for tuning in to On the Road with me this week. I want to give a shout out to Mr. Salvo Russo for his five-star rating and Chuck, you're the coolest dude in the trade review. I don't know about that, but thanks for the compliment, Salvo. You're awesome. I'll be back next week on the road with the Not Godfrey marketing manager, Trilado Wines, doing a deep dive into the Dueling Pistols brand. If we can't hop on a flight to the Golden State, I'll bring California to you. It would be so cool if you could continue to click that subscribe button and give a fab rating on iTunes. Until next week, on the road with me, Chuck Kramer, Mr. California Wine. Take it easy.